many of you had a really good week? I had a pretty decent week. Yesterday, I got to be involved with upward soccer up here at the church. I coached two teams. I think I was about to have a heart attack. I was jumping up and down. I was on my knees when the ball crossed almost the goal line, but didn't. Man, it was just a tough day. I had to go home and just sit down for just a few minutes just to get my nerves, you know, just calm them down just a little bit. We had a lot of fun yesterday. If you saw the church, we had a lot of kids up here, a lot of parents and grandparents, and it was just a lot of fun um, playing upward soccer up here. And so thank you for all those who make it possible. I know we had many refs and coaches and um, a lot of different people working concession stands and things like that. So I just want to say thanks to all of you who made the first weekend of games uh, a success. Well, if you're ready, we're going to get started. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. This is a a series that I'm just a question for you. How have you been doing? It's been a pretty hard series, hasn't it? In which we're talking about how that we should have a new attitude. And that we're not talking about the outward packaging, but we're talking about how Jesus is asking us, each one of us, to change at the core. You see, religion always wants to package the outside. And what Jesus is going after is he's wanting to make sure that you understand that it's not changing the outward, but it's changing the inside. For us to be involved in living with the kingdom, in the kingdom, with Jesus as our king, it requires something new. Now, I'm sure you're probably getting tired of this, but I want to drive it home. Now, um, this packaging, man, they they eat all my cookies. (laughs) This morning, I, I tried this one, and it's empty. And this one's empty too. All the good cookies. Who's been up here? We'll have to find out this week. Okay, so that's just a bummer. (laughs) My cookies. I like these too. Okay. Okay, get back on track. Cookies. Okay, packaging. It's it's the same cookies, but they changed the packaging. And it says new everywhere around. It's new. It's the packaging that we changed. But yet the recipe didn't really change that much or even the way they put what's inside. And here's what we do with religion many times. Many times for religion, what we do is we change the outward packaging. Do you remember the times in which you you came to church and it was all about how you had your hair cut? For one period of time, you couldn't have hair that touched your ears for guys. Others, it was, it was about, okay, ladies, you always had to be in a dress. For some guys, it was like, you can't ever wear shorts. And they had all these rules. And what was it about? Yes, they were trying to love God, but they were changing the outward packaging. And what we're going after is this. I want so much more for you than changing the outward packaging. Jesus is calling us to something radically different, something very hard. When he's asking us and he says, blessed, be happy. And when you begin to live these things out, now we talk about being happy and being blessed. Everywhere we look, whether it's on our radio, whether it's in a movie, whether it's on the news, whether it's at the job place, wherever we go, whether it's school, we're given messages, we're given signals that the way to be happy is by being popular. The way to be happy is by having things. The way to be happy is by being successful. The way to be happy is by having lots of money. That's the way to success. That's the way to being happy. And Jesus comes up and he begins his sermon on the mountain. He says, wait a minute, stop, time out, hold everything. Because right now what you need to see and what you need to understand is this. The way to be happy is living completely radically opposite of what you've been told. He says, blessed, happy, are the ones 
And do you remember the list? Matthew chapter five. He begins laying it out for us. And he says, blessed are those who are poor in spirit who do not think that they actually have it all together, who realize that they have a need for God. Blessed are the poor in spirit. They understand they have a need. Blessed are those who mourn, who actually see sin as what it is. Sin is an offense to a holy and a righteous God. Whether it's the large sins that we want to talk so freely about, or it's the small sins in our lives that we try to hide. Sin, and when we begin to see it as what it is, how that it offends a holy God, we begin to cry and we begin to mourn and say, God, I'm sorry for how I've been living. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are meek. You guys are helping me out. Thank you. Those who, are, who actually understand power. That is not your power, it's not your strength on your own, but you actually put it under the control of God. It's power under control. It's, you begin to see your power as something that only God has given you. And you don't try to wield it for your own cause, but you begin to try to wield your influence for the cause of Christ. Then we talked last week about blessed are those who are what? Hungry, who are passionate for God. What is your passion? What do you live for? What is the greatest thing that you live for? Hopefully, after this last week, you begin to, to realize that there's only one thing that will truly satisfy. And when your passion is going after God and him and him alone, you'll find satisfaction. You will be filled like never before. So this week, you ready? You have your Bibles? Please stand for the reading of God's word. Matthew chapter five. Matthew chapter five. And here's what it says. Verse seven, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, I am so thankful that we can come together and to be able to praise you and sing praises to you. God, I pray that it's been a sweet, sweet sound to you this morning. Father, now as we look into your word, God, I'm asking that we would have ears that are ready to hear, that you would remove the distractions and that God, our heart would be open and ready to receive so that Father, we walk out of here knowing that your spirit was with us and that your spirit spoke to us. God, we wanna hear from you today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. So here's what we have. We have... The idea of mercy. Blessed are the merciful. Now, it's, it, it, we have to kind of develop this idea of what mercy is all about. I was flipping the channels this week, and I found out that there was a guy who played Karate Kid on Dancing with the Stars. Now, you don't have to confess here. I don't watch Dancing with the Stars. But it intrigued me because he's a karate kid. And it was intriguing because now he's, you know, really old. <laughs> he's like 50, so he's not really that old. Okay, so he, he's changed. And so I started thinking about, and I was thinking about mercy this week. And as I thought about mercy, I, I, I just started thinking about the karate kid. 
And now the Karate Kid, some of you might not have seen the movie, so let me just give you just a brief update. The Karate Kid was a a young high school student. He moved to a new town, and when he moved to a new town, he began to be bullied and picked on by a group of guys. Johnny was uh, the the uh, ringleader, and he knew karate, and so he beat up and and picked on Danielson. Now, Daniel was this, this, oh yeah, I like the movie. My kids had to see the new one. I mean, it just, whoa, this is exciting. Okay, so Daniel's son was getting picked on, and, um, and, and, and Mr. Miyagi, love that guy. Mr. Miyagi, this, this guy comes out, and he just whoops up on all these kids. This incredible time, and then now he starts telling Daniel, this is how you... No, learn karate, wax on, wax off, all of those great things. So, so Daniel learns to, to fight, he learns karate, and it comes down to there's this championship tournament. And at the championship tournament, this entire group of bullies are definitely going after Daniel. And they, they take cheap shots. One of them actually takes out the knee and hurts his knee really bad. Daniel goes back in for the very last of, of the fights, and he's fighting Johnny, the, the ringleader. And Daniel begins to get some, some momentum. And there's a kind of a pause in the, in the break, and the sensei, the master of Johnny, calls him over, and he grabs the kid, and he says, sweep the leg. And Johnny's eyes get real big. There's this moral dilemma. Should I really? Should I not? That's just wrong. And what's he say? The enemy deserves what? No mercy. No mercy. Don't be weak. No mercy. Now, if you haven't seen the rest of the movie, please go rent it today. It's worth your time. (laughs) I don't want to run it for you, okay? So that's just where it's at. Great movie. Okay, now... Pull it back, mercy. We, we even do the same thing today, don't we? We teach our sons, no mercy. You can't cry. My four-year-old boy, I struggle telling him, you can't cry, no whining in here. I can't hear you, you're whining. I don't know what you're saying. It's, you, you just want to be tough, be strong. It, it is, it's something that comes out, right? Now, now move it to this time period in which Jesus is talking. Follow me now. It's the Romans. A Roman philosopher of this time, he actually said that the mercy was the disease of the mind, end quote. The Roman soldiers were, were, were bred when they came in and they took over. It was about courage, discipline, fighting, strength, no mercy whatsoever. And here's what you have. You have a group in the Middle East. Now, if you've ever watched, you've been watching some of the news in the Middle East, they're, they're, they're tough people. Very tough. These are the people who, who have no problem throwing rocks at somebody and actually killing them. Tough people. And the Romans, what they would do is they would come in and they had this thing called, it was Petra Potestas. Here's what it means. The man in the Roman world had ultimate authority, ultimate power, and it was, you could not show mercy. So when your child is born, male or female, they hold the baby up and the, and the father stands back and he looks at the child, looks over the child. He either does thumbs up, you keep the baby, or thumbs down, the baby's killed. And they were killed usually by drowning. Then you turn it into the, the same, same time period, same thing, is this idea with the, the slaves. 
You own slaves. They don't perform for you. They don't do what you ask them to do. You don't like them. Thumb goes down. Your life is over. Now, you ready for this one, ladies? If a wife did not please her husband, it was the same way. No mercy. Thumb went down. Now, no elbows and no thumbs up and thumbs down today in this service, men and women. All right, I don't want to see this next week. Don't worry about it. Ladies, if your husband does that to you, just chop his thumb off, all right? Just chop it off. We don't want that going on here, okay? So, so it, was, it was a really serious thing. No mercy. No mercy whatsoever. And so here's where Jesus comes in. And as he begins to speak, he's saying, blessed are you when you, and he hits radically opposite of the exact thing that society says. This is what's norm. This is what you should do. Jesus comes on and now he says, blessed are those who are merciful. How do you think that went over? Everybody's sitting back going, you gotta be kidding me. Mercy? Show mercy to somebody? No way. How do I do that and not be seen as weak? How do I do that and it not come across and everybody else come over and start doing thumbs down to me? How do I do this? Mercy. Do you have the setting now? No mercy. And Jesus steps and says, you'll be happy, you'll be blessed if you show mercy. That is radically different. Now, I'm gonna play just for a few minutes over here on uh, the screen. Instead of me drawing today, I'm gonna try to play on the screen, all right? So let me show you a few things about mercy. Mercy is the idea and the concept that there has been a wrong committed. There should be a punishment. And yet the punishment is not carried out. Okay, you follow that? There is a wrong that's been committed. There is an exact punishment that should occur. And yet mercy says, you don't have to carry the punishment out. That's mercy. So here's what I have to do. In order for you and I to really grasp what mercy is, I have to play just a minute with a few other terms that we get kind of confused theologically, and I need to play this out for you. Here we go. The first one is love. Love is bigger. Love is grander than mercy. Here's why. Because love is constant. You love and you give affection, not based on if somebody did good or bad. Would you agree with that? Love is constant. Love is something that you give freely, whether the actions are good, whether the actions are bad. Mercy is extended only when there's a need to cover the wrong. So love is a little bit larger. Let me show you a couple other things here. Now, Love is bigger than mercy. Grace and mercy are kind of like brothers. They fight all the time. It's hard to get them separated and it's hard to get them actually defined. But here, let me try to help you out. Mercy is extended to somebody who what? They deserve wrong and the wrong is not applied to them. 
Grace comes in and actually gives something that you don't deserve. Because of our sin, I and you deserve hell. Mercy comes in and says, you don't have to go to hell. Grace comes in and says, I'll give you a new life with God and I'll give you heaven. Do you see the difference? So grace and mercy are playing together. Now, here's one more that I I want to make sure that you see. Forgiveness. Now, forgiveness is a little bit smaller because it comes out of mercy and it comes out of grace. Forgiveness happens this way. I forgive as an act of mercy and grace. One of the reasons that I don't forgive somebody is because they have hurt me so bad that I want them to feel the pain that I feel. Did you catch that? And so in order for me to actually make sure that they're feeling the pain that I feel, that I'm gonna hold a grudge. I'm not gonna talk to them. It might even be a year, two years, three years. I'm not gonna talk to them because they have hurt me. And you're wanting them to feel the weight of how much they've hurt you. So you will not extend forgiveness. But here's what we wanna show and here's what we wanna talk about. If Jesus has called us to be and be known by our love, to be known by being merciful people. What that means is this, is that for me to show mercy to somebody, I have to show mercy to those who don't deserve mercy. People that aren't the, the ones who look like me, who, who talk like me, they don't deserve it. Jesus walked around, and if you remember, Jesus walked around giving out mercy, and here's how he did it. He touched those who were unclean, the sick, It was a merciful act, a gracious act. He would touch those who were untouchable. Matter of fact, he would even do this. The tax collectors who were lumped in the group of sinners, the bad people, really bad people, Jesus would eat with them and he even invited one of them, Matthew, to be a disciple. Do you remember this? And inviting them to be a disciple, what he was doing is he's showing mercy. He's saying, listen, they're untouchable. They're they're the ones that you don't like. They're the ones who are your enemy. And what you need to do is you need to extend mercy to those who you don't like. And in extending mercy, what's he doing? He's showing love, he's showing grace, and he forgives. For you and I, if you're going to be a merciful person, you're gonna have to forgive. It's part of it. If you're gonna be a merciful person, if you wanna be known by your love and caring for people, you have to touch those who maybe in society you don't really care for. Mercy, to demonstrate mercy, you have to touch. Now, let me show you one last thing because this, is, this holds it all together. You ready? Justice. You cannot have mercy without justice. If you try to move and just have mercy all the time, that's called tolerance. You have to have justice. As a parent, if you're always merciful and you never let your child feel the consequences for their choices, are you really showing mercy? No. You're showing tolerance. You can do whatever you want and there are no consequences. In order for mercy to have its full power, Justice and the weight of justice must be felt. 
Now track with me, follow this real quick because I wanna show you how this plays out. God is a holy God, a righteous God, and your sin and my sin is an offense to God. It has to be paid for. And what God does is says this, it's, it's the justice of God must be satisfied. And because you have sin and because I have sin, it has separated us and it has put a big gulf between us and God. I can't touch God. I can't get to God. I can't do enough good to get to God. But then his love moves him to action. It's his love that moves us. And he says, I love people. I love them so much that God says, I will send my son Jesus to the earth, to the earth to live, and then he dies on a cross. And on the cross, what you find is this. God's wrath, God's justice is satisfied because Jesus died and paid for your sin. Now on the cross, mercy is able to be extended to you and I. Did you follow that? God's justice still had to be satisfied. And when you understand, and when I understand, when I begin to fall and realize that my sin actually has consequences, that my living my life on my own way, it has repercussions, that I can't just do it on my own, I can't do it my way, that my sin, the lying, the stealing, the cheating, whatever you wanna say, having other gods before God, putting yourself as a God, All of those things have a consequence. And when you understand that you have to pay for it, that's the justice and that's the weight of what your actions have done. Then when you hear that and you hear that Jesus died on your place and that mercy was extended to you, it becomes so much sweeter, doesn't it? Because God's wrath is now not coming on you, but now you receive his mercy It was given to Jesus, the wrath, and then the grace is extended. You ready? The grace that I now get to live forgiven. I now get to live in a relationship where I get to interact with God. He loves me and I get to know his love and I get to know him as my heavenly father. Do you see how that played out? Let me show you a verse and a passage. John chapter eight. Let me show you how this plays out just a little bit. This is so important because many times what we want to do, many times the way we play this out and the way we do this is that we actually skip over justice and we go right to mercy. And what God is calling us to is this, that we feel his mercy. John chapter eight, Jesus is speaking. And as Jesus speaks, he says this. He's teaching and a group of men, a group of uh, Pharisees, religious leaders come in. He was teaching early in the morning, verse three, the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. Placing her in the midst, they said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law of Moses, we're commanded to stone such a woman. So what do you say? They said this to test him, that they might have some charges to bring against Jesus. What are they working off of? What are they going for? 
They're going for justice, aren't they? And many times what we do is, is we, we either go to two extremes. One, we never talk about justice and how that sin has to be paid for. Or we move all the way to the other extreme where it's only about justice and it's not about caring and actually having mercy on people. And Jesus is here and these people are coming in and they're saying, this woman is caught in the act of adultery. She should be stoned. She's sinned. She's caused grievance against you. Stone her. That's justice. Watch what Jesus does. Verse seven, and as they continued to ask him, he said unto them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And then he began to bend down and he begins to write. We're not for sure what he writes. People make all kinds of speculations. He's writing something in the sand. It could be something like their sins. I think that's a great lust. Hunger for money, covetousness. Greed, idols, he's writing their sins. I don't know, he could be writing something else. Maybe he's just drawing a nice little stick figure with side spiked hair, I don't know. (laughs) But he's writing something. He's appeasing the justice. Okay, you're right, she should be stoned. Go ahead, do it. Whoever's without sin, do it. You start it. Justice is satisfied, and now Jesus stands back up and he says, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Verse 11, she said, No one, Lord. Justice is satisfied. Mercy is now being extended because she was sitting there. Do you think she felt the full weight of her consequences? Did she? I'm sure her heart had to be beating. She's seen stonings before. It's not something that they just throw a little soft ball at you. It's the rocks. It's they're coming at you hard. You start trying to shield yourself and the mob is gathering around and they begin to yell and chant and scream. And as the rocks hit, you start trying to protect yourself. It's only human nature. And before long, they're pushing you down. And once they get you down, the head is in the right position for the big rock to come in over the top of their head. It's gruesome. It's inhumane. She knows what's coming. And then this man stands and says, there's nobody else. Do you think she understood mercy at that time? She felt it, didn't she? mercy. And then Jesus does something profound. He says, neither do I condemn you. He begins to extend grace, forgiveness, go and don't sin anymore. Mercy. We show mercy because God has shown us mercy. Blessed, happy is the one who shows mercy, for they shall receive mercy. Remember, this is future. So it doesn't mean that you can go out and say, hey, I was nice to so-and-so. I, I showed them mercy. I forgave. I, I helped. I touched the untouchable, and they, weren't, they didn't show mercy back to me. That's not what you're going after. You show mercy not to receive mercy from people. You show mercy because in the future, you will receive the full benefit of God showing you mercy. That's why you show mercy. So that means for us, 
instead of just putting on the religious garb and saying, yeah, we went to church, maybe some of us need to do the hard work of talking to that loved one that they hadn't talked to in a year or two. Maybe for some of us, it's actually getting rid of the bitterness and the anger and extending mercy. Maybe for some of us, it's actually touching and talking to, interacting with at school, those people who don't deserve your mercy because you have been recipient of God's mercy towards you. And you show mercy because that's who you are. You are in Christ. You're in his kingdom. And it calls you to a radically different position. Some of you in here today, you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal savior. But as I talked about your sin and how it separated you, you have felt it and you know it and you know within your soul that there's something wrong and that you, your heart is beating and it's telling you right now, you need to get this right. The beautiful thing is this, that God loves you so much that you don't have to pay for it on your own. Isn't that a praise God? It's huge. He extends mercy to you so that you can now actually be forgiven and be right with God and you can walk out of here today being right with God. That's his mercy being demonstrated to you that you came on this day for this moment, for this message. God's given you a chance. It's your time to receive the forgiveness that he so freely offers. What are you gonna do today?